What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the 11th episode of How They're Here. As always, I'm Tyler Webb, and last week I had one of my favorite conversations with the CEO and founder of The Social Butterfly, Brandon Polizuk. Coincidentally, Brandon's interview was the first one I recorded on video. And while this video is not going to be the standard of The Social Butterfly's photography or video work, it will give you some unique insight into who Brandon is and how he's growing his company. What started out of a college bedroom is now a brand, a digital media agency that's working with top personalities, brands, and athletes all across the country. And behind this insane amount of growth is a 23-year-old CEO and self-proclaimed grinder. Brandon's story is insane when you consider the fact that he had hardly picked up a camera before starting The Butterfly, and now he's working with pro athletes, multi-million dollar brands, and even Gary Vee. Brandon and I talked about this evolution in his career and how he picked up these skills so quickly, how the social butterfly is gaining so much business so rapidly, the value and the outline to network when you might not have a ton of skills to share, the hustle culture and the problem with it sometimes, and how he came about, the crazy story of how he came about to working with Gary Vee. I hope you all enjoy this episode and learn a thing or two about how to be a leader, a networker, and an entrepreneur and gain some valuable insight into how they're here. It was literally like, dude, let's just start a social media marketing company and call it Social Butterfly. It was like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and sure. so um, from there, we kind of, uh, you know, went a little bit more in depth into the class project. And from there, I quit the school newspaper and I started going around all the relationships that I had built with these business owners. And I said, hey, let me just try to run your social media. And I think I started out by doing it for like 500 bucks a month. And I would take... 150 and I'd put it into Facebook advertising and then I would take the 350 and I'd split it between me and my ex-business partner. I started this with a business partner and it was the most wild thing ever because I just quit my newspaper job. I was only getting commission and going from that to saying just pitching an idea that I thought of through this class project and seeing that check come across the table opened up my eyes even more. And so um, the first account that we started working with was a bur- it was called Burrito Wings. It was like a Chipotle, um, self-standing Chipotle, essentially. And this guy, Oscar, just really believed in me. He owned, he owned like 22 other businesses and restaurants. And he was having a really difficult time connecting to the college campus. And so I remember specifically, he wanted to open up that he was doing delivery. And it was like the next big thing. And so I had no way of creating content myself other than Photoshopping stuff on the internet. And so I hadn't taken pictures yet. I hadn't done any videos and we ran this by him, but we wanted to play off of humor a little bit. And so we had this like fat dude on a bike wearing a sombrero, holding a burrito saying now delivering. And it was in the middle of winter and it got, I think we spent like $30 on this ad and it got, I think, like three or 4,000 like likes. And this guy was just blown away. Sure. And at the same time, I was blown away. No, I didn't course. even know like the, the potential of what it could really be. Um, so that's how I really got started into things. But um, how we became a creative agency and started producing all these videos and all these photos was when we were running all these social media accounts. I mean, Google Images is great, but it's very limiting. And, you know, there's only so much things that you can do with it. And so... Um, at the time I was a part of a clothing line, um, called exceed EXCD with who he win. Um, and he had this little rinky dink camera, but he would take pictures of us and, um, take videos of us working out for his clothing line. So it was a gym focused clothing line. 
And dude, that like I get goosebumps still now talking about it because it made me see the potential of creating something from nothing. And he was making like me look good in the gym and I was not that big. Sure. <laughs> and so I used to always hit him up right away. I'm like, dude, send me, send me those photos. Like, I can't wait to see them. And it was something that I never even knew. Like, that's what passion meant. Like when you when it, when your heart was just aching to see something or to do something, I wanted to shoot every single day. And so I was like, wait, why don't I buy a camera and just learn how to take photos and do video and then I can sell it to some of these social media accounts for an upcharge and give them more value. It's going to make my content better. It's going to be a win-win situation. I was super hyped about it. So um, I called my mom. I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a camera. I think I'm going to like make my second like big decision. I just bought a car. And I was like, I'm just going to throw it on the credit card and I'm just going to sell it to businesses and see you know, how many I can sell. So I went there. I was like, I'm going to buy a $500 camera. It's my budget. It's a good starting point. I walked out of there. The guy sold the crap out of me. Um, I walked out of there with a $1,500 camera. You know, I'm going into it now thinking like, all right, I'm going to buy my second camera first. I'm going to, you know, just really dive deep into this. Right, right. And so um, from there, I didn't know how to turn it on. I didn't know any of the settings. I didn't know anything. And um, my, my buddy who was doing the clothing line, he actually went there to buy the camera with me. And we both upgrade. Well, he upgraded his. I bought my first camera and we were both running a separate company. And at the time we were like sitting there just like, what did we just get ourselves into? And he's sitting there driving back and he's just like, dude, I think I'm just going to start selling these to like some of these restaurants and like businesses. I was like, hold on. Why don't we just team up and do this together? And so we started working together and our very first video, we started offering it for free. Um, and then from there, we went to the competitor and then said, hey, they paid this. Do you want to get in at this price? And we kind of just validated our our quality of work and what we could really bring to these social media accounts. Yeah. And I think that's super interesting, too, because when you make that investment, I heard you say it on another podcast, but when you make that investment, it sort of lights a fire underneath you to you know, learn it. It's like you gave yourself no other option other than to <laughs> succeed or fail. It was sort of a, a binary and, and mutually exclusive, you know, outcome set at that point. So yeah. the idea that you just kind of went all in uh, and then just gave yourself no other option, but to do it, I, I think is really interesting. So, so you were creating then from, you know, a, a pretty, I wouldn't say early age, but I'd say early in the sense of your career, right? You yep. weren't a, a marketing professional. I put air quotes around right. that for a reason because yep. you're still very young and you certainly still have, I would say you'd think so too, a lot to learn. Um, but you were still creating a lot. How do you reflect back on that content that you made, you know, after buying your first camera, not knowing how to turn it on? I to love that you just asked this Now question. having, thank you, not ha now having like a, an agency, how do you reflect back and, and look on you know, it, that progression? Here's, here's my take. In the marketing world, dude, you have to put out your shitty content out. You have to do it. Um, a lot of people get hung up on like, it's not exactly what I see everyone else on Instagram doing, or I know it's not that good, but it's like, dude, you have to put it out there because one, now other people know that you're doing it. And two, might, some people might give you feedback and it's just like when you first ride a bike, dude, you have to put your training wheels on. You have to fall. You have to get up every single time. And so when we first started doing these videos, dude, they were so bad. They were literally so bad and it's actually very full circle. So one of the companies that is like one of my biggest clients right now, Unreal out of St. Paul, their clothing line, one of the first, I think it was within the first week actually when I bought that camera, I told him, I was like, yeah, I'll do a free video for you. Like I know what I'm doing. Like I was just talking myself up and this video was so bad. He didn't even post it, but he gave me a chance. Now looking back, I mean, this was like one of the first days we didn't work together for a very long time. And just recently about like four or five months ago, we circled back and now like 
we're killing it together, dude. And it just goes out there to back to what I was saying is like, you have to put your shitty content out there first. You have to just stop thinking what everyone else thinks and just put it out there for the world to see because you're going to get better. You're going to get better. You're going to get better. Think about all these artists that are popping on Spotify right now. They had a crappy first song. Um, same thing with actors. Like they've had those bad commercial gigs. I mean, you just have to put it out there first. Sure. So I find it interesting. I think a lot of people talk about that progression, right? They talk about, okay, going from and Andrew Declan, obviously had in the backpack podcast, but going from one to two, sort of that hardest jump. What were some of the things that you were doing to, you know, to, to go through that? And we talked about before we even got on, but you know, in school and you went to Mankato study marketing, I'm assuming you weren't sitting in classrooms learning about how to cut up a better video or how to take better pictures. So what no. were some things that you were doing to, you know, do that self-improvement yourself? Um, I'll start off by first saying YouTube university. Um, there's a lot that you can learn off of YouTube. And so that was some of the first things that I did. But when I was in school, um, and I actually go back to some of these classes and I start talking about what I would do differently. So I think that's a good transition. Um, what I was doing is I was going to, you know, build relationships with some of the instructors that I respected that I think actually had an open mind. Um, and I was also, you know, trying to meet people who just, I wanted to surround myself with people who were better than me. And so that's when I met Hui. He was the president of marketing club and I went to marketing club and the, I just kind of pitched him. I'm like, hey, I'm starting this business. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. Can I do a focus group? And just like putting my ideas out there and building it off of them. And so I was really trying to take advantage of all the different people that are at the university. So when I go back and speak to some of these classes, one of the like most valuable things I think I tell them is there's never, ever, ever going to be a time in your life if you go to college where there's going to be so many different people going off in so many different industries, going off to do so many different things in the world. And the minute that you actually understand that, you start to think about who's on campus a little bit differently. And um, you want to figure out, you know, not in the sense of like, what do you do? Here's how I do it. Like, not in that sense, just trying to figure out and build valuable, valuable relationships. You know, maybe instead of going out on that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, I'm all about having a great time, but like maybe that Thursday and Friday, find a group, a group of people that just want to grind, dude, because you're going to 10X your opportunity and surround yourself around older people. That's something that I've always done because they're a little bit more experienced or a little bit more wise. Even if it's a couple years, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's one year, maybe it's just someone who's a little bit the same age as you, just an old soul. And so um, I, I took advantage of that a lot. I always hung around older people because, for example, if I'm working with a business that's doing X, Y, Z number in five years, like they've been doing work for five years and I'm working with them doing X, Y, Z number and I'm three years in, all of the problems and the struggles and the overcome, um, over the com overcome the achievements that they're doing right now at five years I'm getting perspective at three. And so when I go into my third, the end year of my third year, if I go into my fourth year, my perspective is on those five-year plans. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense too. And I, I think there's a lot of value. And I know you've talked a ton about it, about networking and, and trying Dude, to... your network is your network. A hundred percent. And there have been people on this podcast. It's so cool to see those trends because I've seen that over and over and over again. It sort of you know, lit a fire under myself to you know reach out and just be forward and offensive about going out and, and making those connections. 
I want to tap in a little bit to this idea of, of value. You've been saying it a lot, and I think it's kind of it's kind of become a little bit of a buzzword, but I want to make sure that we ground it in sort yes, of this you know, love, tangible definition, right? So you talk a lot about value, and, and it's very clear that you're providing value, whether it be through Social Butterfly, whether it be through Link and Drink. Uh, for somebody that is you know young, we're both pretty young guys, and you know people that are listening to this skew towards the younger college side. How can they be providing value to somebody that is you know you talk about surrounding yourself with older people? How mm-hmm. can they provide value and really get their foot in that door um, for people that are older, more experienced, and probably have more to offer than you know a younger person does? Right, that's a really good question. Um, I don't have the answer for everything, but here's my take on it. I would say put yourself in their shoes. So. When I started working and building this business, I didn't have a, a, like a massive to-do list. I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I used to get upset that people took weeks to get back to me on an email. And I'm like, how do you not get back to an email? Like you're looking at that thing every single day. But then as I scale my business where I'm at today, I'm not getting back to people in a couple of weeks because I can't even get down to the bottom of my, of my email list. And so when you put yourself in that position, now you understand that I have very limited time. So when you're trying to, for example, reach out to people like uh, Mark Brazil and Jeff Cole from Iconic, they have so much on their plate. They're running a $15 million company. They have milliseconds of attention that's not geared towards their business. And so when he went and I sent him that DM, I have to come up with something that he's going to respond to. The very first one I got lucky, I just like, I said, you know, dude, I really listened to your podcast. I really resonate with your story and it inspired me to do X, Y, Z. And the fact that he responded to me and said, thank you, like, really appreciate you listening, man. I, from there, I was like, how did I get a response? But now if I really want to capitalize, the fact that I'm going to get another response off of that is a percentage of a percentage. I need to say something that's going to like really raise his eyebrows. And so I said, I saw you just got acquired by Scooter Braun and Gary Vee. I think you have a lot of business content, but I think you could utilize a lot of personal content. What if I flew out to LA on my own dime? I'll film it. Here's some of my work. It won't cost you a single thing. I want to just meet you and provide value. He said, respect, sent me his cell phone number and told me to text him his, my Instagram handle so he knew what number it was. So going back to that, I, I am nowhere near a $15 million company and I, I have a lot on my plate as well. But For example, some kid DM'd me and he's just like, hey man, I'm getting into Facebook advertising. Like, what do you use to keep track of all your results? And it's like, I could be a very nice guy and I could respond exactly how I do it and I could provide him value. But at what point is is he providing value to me? I'm just giving him a straight 100% answer of how I'm winning in my business and what does that get for me? And so, you know, there's so many different sayings out there. It's like, give without expectation provide value. I mean, it's becoming just kind of just a runaround word. Right. And so everything should be a circumstance and everything you should look at like, okay, how's this, you know, how's this going to play out, whether it's positive or negative, it's the long game, is it short game? Um, and so how can people provide value when they're hanging out with people who are older than than them is put yourself in their shoes and figure it out. Like one way to get into my, in my circle, if you, if you do good video or good photo to sit there and say like, Hey man, if you need any extra help on set, if you need any BTS, I'll do it for free. Boom. You caught my attention because I'm always looking for that. Or we're trying to start this web series and I've had a couple of filmers that haven't really worked out and being an ideal vlogger. And we've been putting this out on the social media that we're putting out a vlog. We're putting out a vlog. If someone DM me and said, Hey, like I want to give this vlog position a role, 
you don't have to pay me until I provide value. Like now you're capturing my attention. And it's not all about a monetary value. Maybe it's like, hey, I have this podcast that has, you know, 3,000 followers, but they're all killers and it's micro influencing. What if you gave me an iconic art piece and I did a whole podcast segment on it and we tried to, you know, provide value in terms of sales? I mean, it's just really putting yourself into perspective and like, what does that person really ideally want? How can I help them from the level that I'm at right now? And it's going to force you to do something bigger because when you start hanging around with people who are out there killing it, you learn like this, dude. So for example, I know Josh Mo talked about the Brodskis. I'm not the best filmer ever. I would say I'm above average. But when I uh, reached out to Ben and Sam, we started like talking about all the different things and they respected that I had built a business around it. I had respected that they're like true filmmakers and they're very, very talented. And I went and helped them on set and I, you know, I was like, dude, I'll do anything. Like I'll be your personal assistant. Like I'll be a second shooter, like whatever you want. And I was on set with him. And from the last week that I spent on YouTube, I probably learned 10 times more because I was on set in the go. He was teaching me all of his little tics, um, tips and tricks. And so when you go back after that, now there's like 10 things that I remember specifically from working with Ben rather than just sitting on YouTube. And so, you know, taking advantage of all your resources, don't just look at the internet as like, dude, there's so much potential out there. You could sit there all day on, on YouTube and listen to podcasts. It's like 100% you could do that. But you should be like, okay, if you're sitting there and you have 10 minutes to kill, hop on YouTube and figure out, you know, a cool video that's going to teach you something. Or if you're driving and you have to like, you know, walk somewhere, put on a podcast. Or, I mean, there's just so many different pieces of resource that you should really find out, okay, what ones can I tap in when? Backing up, the first time I met Gary Vee was actually Super Bowl weekend, but how this happened is absolutely insane. So um, I own 10% of a business called Covert. It's a clothing line that's really influenced by art and they're um, going to be creating art. Um, art. They're going to be managing artists. I mean, there's a lot more that's going into it, but I had been working with Covert and I met the founder of Covert like by accident. I was in LA at the same time that he was. There's a long story behind that and I won't get too deep into that end, but Long story short, me and Blake have only done business together. We've hung out a couple of times, um, but I've always respected him because he's been a hustler. He's been an entrepreneur for a long time. He runs a company called Visionary Manufacturing. Um, he does manufacturing for clothes for like streetwear brands. He's an absolute beast. Um, and so when he brought me into Covert, um, I started doing some um, creative videos for them and started doing some of their photography and some of their, their uh, production with them. And one day he just texted me. He's just like, Hey, um, can you send me some of your work? I'm talking to Gary V's like Vayner sports agent. And I was just like, yeah, dude, but I do like business videos. Like there's no chance that I'm sticking out with all the creators in Minneapolis. Cause like I said, I'm not the best filmmaker. So I was like, yeah, I'll send it to you. But like, no, no, no worries. If like nothing happens for me, like, I really appreciate you even like asking me. So he went out of his way. This dude tweeted out Danny David, shout out Danny. Uh, tweeted out where are my Minneapolis videographers and photographers at and this is like a week before Super Bowl weekend so then I sent like a gym profile video um, it was like a tour of fitness for Ten in Mankato I sent like uh, three other videos to him that I had done in the past and this was a little over a year ago so Send it over to him. Uh, the next day, I get a call and they're just like, hey, like, we love your work. Like, we get in touch. We want to, you know, link you up with filming some of the stuff with the NFL players that we manage for Vayner Sports. And on top of that, Gary Vee is going to be in town. He's going to do a couple book signings. We want you to cover all the media for that. And I was just like, 
yeah, like, let's do it. Um, one question though, like, am I going to meet Gary or he's just like, dude, like, yeah, you're going to meet him. You're going to be filming him. And I, I did, I thought it was kind of be like, I'm going to film like 10 minutes with him. And like, that's my, my, my gig. Well, it turns out, um, I, I didn't even know if it was going to happen or what's going on. Turns out they were supposed to have like three go-to groups of filmmaker, but they liked my stuff with the butterfly so much that they eliminated the other two and had me. And then I brought the Brodskis into it because I was like, <laughs> I need to get this on lock. I need to provide a shit ton of value to them. Um, and so I brought the Brodskis into it and we just dominated and it ended up being literally we got shot an address every single morning we would just roll up to gary v's airbnb he's sitting in there with his jets beanie and his jet shorts and he's just like what up guys um and it was a really cool experience to you know see someone with so much influence and so much going on in a day to just see him you kind of, you know kind of just decompress and you know work from his phone and ask him like real questions um and so that was a really big eye-opening experience and you know, on the back end of that, um, I was really trying to figure out, you know, what's my role here? How do I provide value? Because he's working with people all the time. Um, and so I just put out a bunch of content. I built relationships with everyone around Gary because yes, I was in the Airbnb with him, but it's not like I can shoot him a text and being like, Hey, what's up, man? Like you want to check out this video I made? It's like, it's not going to be like that. And so what I, what I started doing is I started building really good relationships with Danny from Vayner sports. I started, um, I took a bunch of photos of Babin who was his vlogger for a while and shot him all of the pictures. And I started building a relationship with Babin and then some of the other people that played a role all around him. So that, you know, when the next time something happened, I know five of his guys and he's looking around like, wait, who is this guy? How is he working with so many different ends of it? So that's how we did that. Then about four months later, I get a message from this dude named uh, Nick Zeppa on Facebook. And he's like, hey, man, saw you did some work with Gary V. I booked him for a keynote speaking in August. I want I want you there just to see some familiar faces. Nick didn't even know that I did video and ran all, a, a bunch of social media accounts. And so Nick messaged me. I was like, yeah, man, like I'll definitely be there. I'm not sure he's going to recognize my face, but I mean, we can give it a go. I'm down. And I was like, what are you doing for video and photos? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, dude, I run, I run a company called Social Butterfly. Like here's some of my work. I was just with him. Here's all the stuff I did with him. He was like, oh shit. Like, all right, we're getting you in, we're getting you on production. And so we did, we did all the videos. We worked with, um, a company called social works and partnering on running all the digital advertising to sell tickets for it. And then he came here and he recognized me and we did the exact same thing. I just, you know, we picked him up from the airport. We were asking him interview questions. We, we did a podcast session with him and then we were with him, you know, in the hotel room and asking him real questions. And so, dude, it literally is like, it goes back to, um, you know, if you put your stuff out there, people know what you're doing. And it really goes back to the butterfly effect, dude. The butterfly effect is the scientific theory that one small change can change the course of the world forever. So everything affects everything. And so the fact that I went and took that chance out and met Blake, started a business with Blake, and then he put my stuff out there for Vayner Sports to see. And then I did this stuff with Gary Vee, and then it connected me with Nick. And then we brought Gary V back out again. And then I utilized the relationship and all the portfolio work that I did with Gary V to send to the guys at Iconic and got the meeting with Iconic. And now I'm going to do the same thing to meet some of the other people that I want to meet. And so it's like, put it out there, build a relationship, provide value, and then pivot to whoever else you want to pivot off that to. You, you brought up being a leader. That's something I want to talk about. Okay. Um, dude, I, I want people to know that, you know, Building a business is great. It is excruciatingly, excruciatingly hard to be a leader. 
And I think there's this notion out there, especially from just Gary Vee and like being a hustler and like working all the time. Like I'm a part of that. I love that. And that's who I am. But some, sometimes I wish, I wish I would have got told like, this is exactly what being an entrepreneur is because it's like being a rapper, right? It's very glorious. Everyone thinks you're killing it. You know, people think I make a lot of money. Like I don't make a lot of money at all. You know, when I make money through the company, like we have a lot of money coming through the company, but I'm investing that into trying to hire someone else so I can offload more stuff onto their plate off of mine. And so um, being a being a business owner and being a leader are two different perspectives. And that's something that I'm really trying to self critique myself on and being a good leader. Bro, I'm 23 years old trying to run a big business managing my friends while being 23 and still trying to figure out who I am, you know, trying to figure out life and being a leader is really hard. Like people aren't talking about that. And I want people to start talking about how, how frustrating and, um, how much pressure is on someone who starts a business when you start having to, you know, feed your employees. Like when you're, when you're paying someone a salary this young, like, dude, people don't understand like what it takes to actually run a business. Like it's not just working late and like you're grinding and I'm sitting behind my desk all day and like it's the best day of my life. Sometimes like I have to answer 10 questions that I have no idea how to answer, but I have to make an answer and I have to make a decision and that decision can affect the whole course of the business and I could let 10 people down or myself down or it can be the next best move and we just, you know, came up another level. Um, and so I don't think a lot of people talk about that because everyone wants to be a business owner and no one actually talks about like, dude, talk about payroll taxes and talk about having to deal with those decisions and, you know, forking up that much money every single month to hit your payroll and then trying to figure out how to position each one of your friends as your employees and set the tone and position them to be empowered, to be the best person that they can be. And so no one talks about that, bro. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because you're right. We're sort of all immersed in this sort of, you know, hustler culture. And I think it's, it's both good that I think a lot of people are just action oriented. They're like, I want my head down. I want to, I want to do the work. But at the same time, you have to come up for air at some point. Yeah. And especially when you're trying to make it bigger than just a, a one man show, you're going to have to sort of face those, you know, those responsibilities of right. trying to scale a big company. What is something that you were sort of caught off guard by, you know, being a CEO now of a small team, um, being a leader of a small team, what was something that you're like, man, I didn't, I didn't take this into consideration when I figured that I'm going to have to scale this thing. I would say this, I would say every day is different. And I built a business with, you know, my best friends. Um, and everyone that I work with now is still my best friend. And, you know, it's not to say that I don't have other friends. It's just, I work 24 seven. And so even when I'm not working, I'm working. And so that's the only thing that I can really relate to. And it's, you know, it's sad to a sense, but like, that's just who I am. And if you can't resonate with that, I mean, whatever, I'm going to be true to myself. I, I want to know a little bit now you're very immersed and a lot of this conversation is sort of centered around this, you know, this hustle culture. And I think a lot of it is, you know, forwarded by Gary V's and, and people like him, sort of this idea of, you know, hustling and grinding and networking, providing value and all this sort of stuff that, that you hear. And I think to a fair extent, sort of stuff that gets poked fun at a little bit, just because 100%. a lot of it can get a little tacky and a yeah. lot of it can get a little cliche. Like, and, grind, grind, grind. Right. So, <laughs> but I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, of course. But being a being an objective, maybe judge of that culture, because I think you're a good person to, to speak on it, just because you've really, you know, started this, you know, 
that momentum here in the cities, at least, um, what would be a sort of a negative point of, and not only just of, of your, you know, lifestyle as an entrepreneur, but just as the, you know, think about the stereotypical grinders, stereotypical hustler, the, the people that maybe deserve a little fun poked at them on, on the internet. What, what do you think a, a problem is with this movement of, you know, hustlers and entrepreneurs? And, and do you think there's any way to, to remedy that? Because I think from my perspective, there's going to be a point where, we might have just oversaturated the entire idea. And Gary talks about it a lot, which is not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur, but it's so glamorized that everybody's trying it. Right. I would say this. I would say no matter what it is, everything gets overplayed, right? I mean, if you think of like, you know, the color black with videographers, every single videographer is always all in black. It's overplayed. Um, you think about, you know, um, you know, all these different trends, it's all overplayed. Marketers ruin everything because there's a minute that there's there's no one doing it and then the marketers find out and then they just oversaturate it. So I would say everything gets oversaturated. I would say the negative downside to you know these hustlers and these grinders are the people that only flex on it but aren't about it. They're talking about all these ideas. They're name dropping like crazy, but they don't actually execute. That's the only negative downside. I mean, you could talk about work-life balance. You could talk about, you know, everyone's all about work, work, work. I never put my phone down, but like, dude, this is what I want to be doing, dude. Like this is my work-life balance. I'm working all the time and that's my balance. And you know how I decompress is I go to the gym. I try to meditate as much as possible and I hang out with my friends, but my friends are also working with me, whether it's, you know, specifically with the butterfly or some of the other businesses that I'm involved in that's what I want to be doing. And so the next 24 hours of my, of my day are all exactly what I want to be doing. So if that's truly who you are and what you want to be, then I don't think there's any downside as long as you execute on these ideas. And, and to say that, like you don't have to have all the ideas. Sometimes being a number two to someone is so impactful. And I'm actually looking for that. If someone listening to this podcast wants to be my number two and could provide value, like Sometimes being a number two is a really good position because you don't have to make all the decisions. But, um, you know, I, I would say again, the negative downside is if you're only flexing on Instagram, but you're not actually executing, you're not actually doing anything about it. You're just hurting yourself because now people are going to look at you as that person who only talks about ideas and only name drops, but can't put an idea into existence. And that is it for this episode. If you enjoyed, there is more to come. An episode of How They're Here releases every other Wednesday. In the meantime, check us out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook by searching How They're Here or find me online at Tyler M. Webb to connect. If you want to hear more from us, make sure to rate and subscribe. It helps us stay in business. Thank you as always for listening and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace.